everyone, and welcome to the Build Podcast. I'm Kyle Poyer, VP of Market Strategy here at OpenView, where I help software companies accelerate growth and master my favorite area, pricing and packaging. That's why this season on Build, we're talking all about the art and science of pricing. Each week, I sit down with operators and experts to hear their pricing insights and experiences firsthand and answer some of our listeners' most burning pricing questions. Now on with the show. On this episode of Build, I chatted with Mike Walsh about pricing at fast-growing companies. Mike is the Senior Director of Marketing at Reflective and was previously at Lever and Glassdoor during periods of hypergrowth. We talked about how to learn from sales reps what's really going on with pricing and why sales should be fundamental to pricing changes. Mike, thanks for joining us. Could you give the listeners a quick overview about yourself and your background? Cool, yeah, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, so I started off my career in management consulting at Deloitte and then moved into more product marketing roles at Glassdoor, Lever, and now at Reflective. And Reflective is actually a people management platform that helps employees and managers work better together. A lot of time in HR tech. And just for a sense of scale, how fast were these companies growing when you started? For sure, yeah. So these companies are all growing very quickly. The game is basically to double in size each year. So when I started at Glassdoor, we were about 200 people in Series C and you know doubled in size every year. And actually, Glassdoor just recently sold to Recruit Holdings, which owns Indeed for about $1.2 billion. While I was at Lever, we also doubled in size. And at Reflective, we were actually just announced to be the 13th fastest growing company in North America by Deloitte. So very fast growing companies. I'm sure a lot has been changing at each of them. And so when in your career would you say you caught the pricing bug and started to realize the importance of pricing in a SaaS startup? Yeah, I'd say definitely at Glassdoor. We went through a couple different iterations of pricing changes there. And from that, I really learned that pricing you know, has a significant impact on the way you go to market and the overall kind of sales motion and the type of conversation you're wanting to have with your customers out there in the marketplace. And my experience at Glassdoor kind of shaped a lot of the way I look at pricing and packaging and what that means from the seller's perspective, whether it's you know really fighting hard to maintain a premium price or trying to move through the deal faster with something that it's more flexible. And you've led a few different you know, packaging and pricing initiatives now. If you were to reflect on those experiences, what were some of the signals that packaging and pricing like wasn't really working and that you needed to find a new approach? You know, the signals that pricing and packaging aren't working come from a couple of different places. And you kind of need to keep your ear to the ground and listen for these signals in multiple places because that's when the pattern matching starts happening. So I'd say like, you know, for one place, it would be around reps. As a product marketer, you need to be really close with your sales team. And, you know, they will offer you information and tell you how it's going and be very real with you if you're real with them. And so, you know, by speaking closely with the reps and understanding what they're going through, you're going to hear how the deals are progressing and where they're running into trouble. Talk to as many people as you can to, again, get those patterns out there and to really understand what the market is doing. Another place that I would look at for signals is really like your CRM data. With that, you know, you want to look at your CRM data on a regular basis to see, you know, what is your average price by your different segments? How are those changing over time? Are they matching close to you know, your average list price that you're trying to get? What's the impact on win rates or cycle time or time to close? Those are kind of a lot of the factors that I would look at to see you know, how quickly and efficiently and effectively you're having the pricing conversation with your customers. Another area would be win-loss interviews. We do those here at Reflective, and that's a great way to hear directly from buyers what's working and what's not working. That's a great way you know, from the marketing side of the world to really understand how buyers are perceiving the value of your product and how that might compare to the competition. And then finally, I'd say like the last place is just externally, like looking at what are your competitors doing, what are the market doing. You can 
can find out a lot of information just online, like how people are packaging and pricing their products. And, you know, how does your offer compare against theirs? It can be hard in a situation for a rep if your product costs more, but you get less. And so those are situations that you need to be aware of and understand what you're asking your sellers to do. It's interesting. The first point you mentioned was really reps and having a good relationship with the sales reps. Obviously, there's tension at companies between marketing and sales or between product and sales. How do you go about kind of developing great relationships with the sales team and really figuring out what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, I think my approach to working with sales has always been to focus on the work my team is doing to help them win out there. Ultimately, you know, the success of marketing and sales really is if sales can come in and bring in the numbers that they're charged with. So I always try to focus on that partnership. And I always kind of try to make it a point of telling folks all of the different initiatives that we're doing to help them win out there, whether it be through, you know, sales enablement type projects or different types of marketing campaigns or just more research and just better kind of content that they could use to get out there and win. Those are the types of things that I try to really focus on. The other big thing to me is just literally like walking the floors and the halls and speaking with reps on a regular one-to-one personal basis to understand kind of what they're going through. Because the more empathy you can have for them, the better you're going to be attuned to providing the right services and pitch and tweaks that you need from a marketing world to help them win. I think those are great ideas. You know, you're looking at a lot of things, right? Talking to sales reps, looking at your CRM data, doing interviews when wins and losses happen, looking at market dynamics. At what point in that process does pricing become an executive level priority where you say, you know, we've seen something really urgent to go run a project around changing this? When I think about pricing in companies, it often is something that's like important, but not really urgent until it gets urgent and then it's like on fire. And so I'd say like, There's generally a confluence of factors that come into play when you need to take a really hard look at pricing. And I'd say some of those signals are going to be like, hey, competition's really heating up. We're struggling out there when rates are down or we're hearing more about these certain different competitors coming into the market. Another big factor is if you have a bunch of new features or products that you're starting to release. How do you put this into the right package and the right price? And how do you actually try to move people through different models that you may be trying to sell out there? Another one is around if we're about to hire a ton of new reps in different locations and we need those people to be as productive as fast as possible, you may need to look at your pricing structure to make sure that it's easy to understand so that new people, when they're coming in, they get it and it clicks and they can go to market confidently and quickly. I mean, it's a really interesting point that you bring up about the importance versus urgency, because normally there's so many things that are urgent hair on fire problems Mm -hmm. that the executive team is dealing with, but they really need to figure out what's actually important, what's going to move the needle and pricing shouldn't get deprioritized just because it might not be urgent in certain instances, whereas urgent is like closing the immediate deal. For sure. So Mike, you've now been in product marketing at three, you know, high growth software companies. What has product marketing taught you that you bring into a pricing project? Yeah, you know, I think from the product marketing side of the world, pricing is a key component of what product marketers should be doing. One area that I think about when it comes to pricing is how does this impact your positioning in the market? You know, if you're going to price high, then obviously you're going to be a premium provider. So you're going to need to back up that position with a whole bunch of value and a whole bunch of resources and examples and just proof that you are that premium provider versus like, are you going to be a low cost leader? Are you trying to just get people through the door quickly? So the way you price ultimately helps you position yourself in the market. And then that has a bunch of kind of downstream effects in your overall sales and marketing motions. 
Another area where I'd say product marketing thinks about pricing is really when it comes to packaging. And that kind of alludes to the thing I was talking about earlier. It's like, you know, in the SaaS business, you're often releasing new features and products pretty quickly. So what you're offering to the market can change over time. And so you need to really figure out like, what are the big features and value that you can deliver to a customer? And how can you package and cut up those different feature sets into something that's going to resonate for different types of buyers, whether it's, you know, maybe a smaller business that needs less functionality versus is an enterprise, which needs more advanced services and integrations and those types of things. The last thing that I really think about when it comes to pricing from a product marketing perspective is, is it simple and is it transparent and fair? And this is important for the reps and for the customer themselves. So reps need to be able to quickly understand how to look at the right rate card and how to talk to a prospect and offer the right price. And then for customers, they need to be able to quickly understand what they're going to be charged, how they're going to be charged, how it's going to change over time. And is it fair? Otherwise, you know, you're going to create a lot of friction for both sides of the house. On your point about packaging, I've certainly seen in working with our portfolio that the value or sort of the role of different features really changes over time. Like it used to be SSO would be a feature that would be only in like the top tier enterprise plan. And now buyers kind of expect to be able to do single sign on as part of any SaaS product or like a Salesforce integration used to be kind of a big deal. And now it's like, if you don't have that, then you're just not even going to be considered in a deal. So it's interesting to see how that changes over time. Oh yeah, for sure. Examples that come to mind for you? One of the places I worked at before, you know, we were in a situation where, you know, literally the reps were telling me that, hey, you know, this competitor offers more and it costs less. And that kept coming up. And when we looked at what our portfolio was versus their portfolio, yeah, you could kind of quickly see like how they jammed some things into the starter package, basically. And so one of the things that we did was like, okay, if this is causing a lot of friction and tension, and this is now an expectation that everybody has this thing, then that was a big signal for us that, hey, we needed to change up our package structure too. So we took that one feature that was in our middle tier and put it into the first starter package. And then to your point about simplicity, Everyone can agree that the model needs to be simple for customers and reps, but I think people struggle with how simple is sort of simple enough (laughs) and what might be too simple versus something where it's striking the right balance. What advice do you have about identifying if pricing is sort of simple enough versus too complicated? That's the art and science, I think, of pricing and trying to figure out what is going to resonate with folks. I'd say like if you need a really complicated calculator to like understand with multiple drop downs and variables and trying to figure out what is the custom quote for this customer, that might be a sign, especially in a high growth environment where you are talking to a lot of people that it might be too complicated. When you're thinking about your price metric, it needs to be something that's pretty understandable and easily figured out by both the reps and the customers. And so, you know, that could be something around, you know, the number of employees is a classic one, or maybe the number of jobs. I've done that in the past. Another one could be the number of page views or traffic that you're having. These are things you can kind of quickly point to as the measure of the value that a customer is getting and the value of the services that you're delivering. So once you kind of pick that price metric that people can agree is a good proxy for value, then I think you're good to go. I think what happens for some folks is that they start adding in more variables and more components and triggers, and that's when things get complicated. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. So really starting with a metric that is understandable and that the customers can sort of calculate they're familiar with, they can find out and reps can find out too, so that as a baseline, you're getting started from the right place. You talked about an example at a past company where a competitor all of a sudden offered you know tons and tons of features in their starter plan, which was difficult to compete with. And you know I get asked about should packaging and pricing be a competitive advantage or should you make a move like that where you're all of a sudden kind of disrupting competitors with more value for less money and you know how do you think about if or when pricing should be a competitive advantage yeah i think that all depends on kind of the dynamics of your industry and what your position is in the industry i've been in kind of pretty open new greenfield industries and very commoditized heavily competitive industries and pricing is a competitive advantage but for different reasons so in that competitive set if it's becoming super commoditized being the high price leader is a tough position to be in you know low cost can be an advantage for you you know on the other side like if you're in a pretty new field and you're kind of the first one there or there's not that many people around then you have an opportunity to carve out your niche like where you want to be and where you want to play and if you want to play in the premium tier then that's a great spot to be and especially if you can create loyalty and if you can create you know high retention then you're going to be able to invest more in yourself over time and project yourself as the leader in that market. I want to switch gears a little bit. So we've talked about what signals you look for that you know you might want to change pricing and then at what point it becomes an executive priority. So, you know, if you've checked those two boxes, how do you go about scoping a packaging and pricing project? You know, what are the steps involved? I try to break it up into a couple big buckets of work. You know, first off, you're going to want to just do your internal analysis and start really speaking with reps, looking at your CRM data, those things I talked about earlier, just to understand like how are people internally reacting and working with the pricing structure that you have. Then I would say you get into more of the external analysis. You know, that's speaking with customers, speaking with prospects, getting on those win-loss calls to understand why people bought or did not buy and what was the process overall like and how did we compete in the market. So I think those kind of are two big areas to get data points back in. You could also do surveys, you know, whether they be more quantitative surveys with customers or prospects or just qualitative surveys as well. Once you kind of get those data points in, you can then start developing a basic straw man or a model of what the overall pricing structure could look like based on, you know, what's the pricing metric? What are the different segments that this falls in? What are the different types of packages that you could offer? And then what might drive different types of discounts? So you kind of want to develop this structure around what the proposed pricing can be like. Then the next big step is then to start really testing it out. And again, I like to work with our sellers to understand like how they're reacting to this new proposed rate card. And a quick test to do, I've done in the past, is I'll talk to a rep who's in a current deal right now, ask what price they're proposing to this prospect and see how that might factor into the new proposed rate card that I'm working on and see if there's alignment there and understand like if this was the price, how would that land with the prospect and what would that do to the deal? That's kind of like a quick test you could do. A larger test would actually be to actually start piloting the new rate card with a select group of reps. And so when I like to pilot things, I like to try to pick a mix of different reps of different abilities and different groups and segments and locations to really try to get a good understanding of how different people are reacting to this new rate card. You know, if you get all of your best reps in the pilot group, then, you know, the data set's going to be completely skewed. And it may not be reflective of what the average performer can do. And so you want to get a diverse group of folks piloted in this material to really understand how it works so that they can poke holes, so that they can figure out what the questions are, what questions do customers have. And then from that, you're able to iterate on the overall model and then do the full rollout to the rest of the org. Ideally, with those reps who are in your pilot group being some of the champions of the rollout. So the more buy-in you can get, 
they're going to become your champions as you take your show on the road and as you really put that new pricing out into the rest of the organization. And how long does this take from start to finish in your experience? You know, I mean, it could take up to six months. I've also done really fast stuff in, you know, like six weeks where you're just trying to make a quick change. The point is, I think you want to kind of go through some of those steps that I outlined earlier. You got to do some of the analysis. You got to test it out a little bit with people, get the reactions to understand where it breaks, what the holes are, and then you can roll it out. So you've been a consultant, you've hired consultants, and you've done projects on your own. When would you say it makes sense to kind of run these projects in-house versus bringing in outside experts? You know, that all depends on your company situation. What's your financial position? Do you have the resources? You know, if you have the buy-in and the resources to do it, and it's become a leadership priority, then it makes sense, I'd say, to bring in external consultants. They are great for doing a lot of quantitative analysis and survey methodology. They're also good at getting more unbiased feedback, or at least the perception of unbiased feedback, because they're a third party. So those are types of things that I would factor in. You know, I would first try to do it on your own, at least do the investigation to understand, to get a hypothesis on what's working and what's not working. And then from that, size it up, see how big of an issue your pricing or packaging might be. And you can then make the decision to go it alone or to bring in outside help. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think for companies, if you're not starting with an internal investigation, it's hard to really set the right scope even. And you could actually end up probably overpaying for consultants going in directions that are not going to be as fruitful. For sure. I want to change gears to packaging. And that's something we've talked about a little bit earlier. So packaging up different features or services is kind of a perpetual challenge in SaaS as companies are constantly rolling out new features. And so what they have to work with is always changing. How have you designed packages that actually resonate in the market? When you're designing new packages, you really want to look at a couple of different places. Again, going back to customers and reps, like what is their reaction to the existing packaging and pricing today and the feature sets? And are they happy with those things or do they want more? Are you selling a lot of like a la carte items, you know, from maybe a higher level package into a lower level package? And if you keep selling those a la carte items, maybe it makes sense to put those in the lower package, you know, because selling things a la carte often extends the cycle time of the deal and just creates kind of more back and forth and just more friction. Another thing that you should think about when it comes to packaging is trying to understand how the market and the competition is evolving. Again, kind of that example I talked about earlier, you know, we were seeing how competitors were starting to position themselves and how that was driving buyer reaction out there. And so that became a factor that we had to consider. Actually, some of the work that we did together in the past, we actually looked at prospects and did some surveying to really kind of understand, you know, if this customer was interested in buying our product and they could just add in whichever features that they wanted, what would they add? So by doing that, you're also able to get an understanding of the things that people value. What do they value? What are their table stakes and what's kind of candy that they would pay extra for? We talked about keeping a close relationship with the sales team just to kind of understand like how pricing is working in the real world, like what reps are seeing in deals. How do you involve them when it comes to actually working on a pricing project? You need to work with the leadership team kind of early on in the project so that they understand what it is that you're doing. So it doesn't just get sprung on them from above, that it's something that's like kind of co-created and they have understanding and alignment on. So kind of working with that leadership team early on in the process to kind of scope what's on the table, what's off the table, get their suggestions too, because they've been on the front lines having these conversations every day. So definitely keep those in mind when you're ultimately trying to figure out the final pricing and packaging model. Another area of input with the sales team is you may want to survey reps and understand like what are their challenges with the current pricing? How might they change it if they could change it? And then finally, once you're ready to roll out to market, 
you then want to create that test group of reps so that they are on the front lines. They understand how this new packaging works and they ultimately have a voice in shaping the final product and ultimately become your champions once you enable the rest of the field. If you surveyed reps and, you know, three of them told you they really wish that they could do X, Y, Z, and that would allow them to generate so much more business, makes total sense to go back to those people if that is the decision (laughs) and have them be champions for piloting it. And they're obviously going to be super excited. And that excitement is going to also kind of trickle down to the rest of the team. For sure. One of the outcomes that you want of your pricing project is for reps to be confident in the price that they're offering the customer. So the more confidence that they have in the structure and the value that you're providing and that they can back that up with proof points and that this price is the right price because we've done a lot of analysis and we understand that this is the value that we're delivering, then the reps are going to be more confident in pitching to the buyer. If you're wishy-washy in the pricing conversation, you can kind of sniff that out really quickly as a buyer and it just makes you feel uncomfortable. So again, the more confidence that we can instill in our reps on the pricing structure, the better conversations they're going to have. I mean, you naturally have a lot of empathy for the situation of the sales reps. Some folks really don't want sales to have too much flexibility, right? Because they end up maybe discounting too much or you know, overly customizing pricing, creating custom SKUs. How much flexibility should sales have? How much is too much? Yeah, there's definitely a balance between maybe the finance side of the world and sales ops side of the world versus the sales rep side of the world. But ultimately, if everyone recognizes that, hey, we all got these collective numbers to hit, then that hopefully brings people together. When it comes to flexibility for reps and the ability to discount, you need to factor that into your model, especially if you're an enterprise SaaS model. Reps are having these discussions. They're the ones presenting the price. They need to be able to have a little bit of room to move. And so you need some of that flexibility in every kind of specific customer situation. You know, maybe the customer doesn't need all of the functionality or they're in a different industry. So reps need to be able to kind of have some flexibility. That's going to give them more confidence in the situation. It's going to empower them to go out there and kind of create the right conversation and ultimately the right offer. If you're looking at the business, maybe from a higher level, You probably don't want your newest reps in the smallest tiers having crazy discount windows and fluctuating big time across their price. You know, you want to keep things pretty structured so that they're moving quickly through their deals. And, you know, the bigger the customer and the more experienced the rep, the more discount flexibility they're going to have and they're going to expect. So you just also have to keep those dynamics in mind. So you would also mention this idea of piloting pricing changes with a handful of reps. I think one thing people struggle with in a sales-led kind of go-to-market motion is that when you're testing packaging pricing, how do you know if a test is successful? Because you won't necessarily get statistical significance in a test. How do you think about that? You know, high-growth companies are trying to move quickly. And so you don't have a lot of time to run a pilot and see the results ultimately because some of these cycles are 30, 60, 90, you know, 100 plus days out there. And so you don't have that time to really get the data back. But what you should do is really start to understand qualitative and quantitative indicators. I think on the quantitative side of the world, you can start looking at certain factors around like, you know, average deal size and RIN rates and days to close. Those are things that I would start looking at and monitoring on a regular basis just to see like how the new pricing is impacting those things. Another thing that I've looked at is attach rates too. So if you know you have a new product or you have a product that you really want to include in the bundle, are you able to include that new product in the initial buy? You know, those are going to are all factors that you probably want to take a look at. You can't optimize for average deal size and speed at the same time, so you kind of got to pick one. What are you trying to do? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And to go back to your comment about fast growth companies don't really have a whole lot of patience to wait. But I think that with this kind of a pilot, it's a nice balance between you're getting some market feedback, you're able to see what the issues are, what questions come up to really fine tune pricing changes before they go fully out in the wild. So I like that balance. And then when you reflect in your experience, what would you say are your top three pieces of a pricing advice for SaaS founders? Yeah. So I'd say like in early days, you want to price high and you want to kind of fight for that price. And that's going to give you a lot more data points back to understand like what is a customer's willingness to pay and what can you get for this product? You're not going to be able to get that information back if you price too low. So you need to have a little bit of fight and struggle in those early days to really see what the value of your product is or the perceived value of your product is to those first buyers. I'd say the other big thing to keep in mind is keeping things simple. I've talked a lot about that, but is it simple for reps and is it simple for customers to understand? And then finally, I'd say like, you know, once you've kind of got your model in place, you know, you're going to want to look at it every year. And when enough signals come in from the rest of the org or the market that, hey, it's time to relook at pricing. And so again, some of those things could be around, we got new products, we got new features that we got to figure out where to bundle them in. We got a bunch of new reps coming in, or, you know, there's some significant developments amongst our competitors. I think that's great advice. And you know, final question for you, what's one SaaS company that you admire from a pricing and packaging standpoint? company I've admired from afar is LinkedIn. And I know a lot of customers and buyers probably don't appreciate some of their pricing strategy and tactics, but they have a great product that people want and need. They kind of got a monopoly on what they offer. And because of that, they've actually helped to really kind of train the market and buyers out there that you know, this is the price. We don't really deviate too much from it. And oh, at the same time, there will probably be an increase of this price later on in a year's time. And so they've kind of trained the market to expect that. I know there's a lot of people that don't appreciate that. But from, you know, my product marketing view of the world, it's something that I do admire and it's a strength of theirs. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Well, Mike, thanks for joining the OpenView Build podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to the Build Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time.